you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. you're here this morning. If you're a guest, God bless you. Thank you for being here this morning. If you're a faithful member of CLC, thank you for being here this morning. Amen. You didn't let the rain stop you. If you're watching online, thank you for watching online this morning. God bless you. Today we are continuing in a series that I started last Wednesday night called As I mentioned on Wednesday, I'm going to be talking about self for the next little while. And we're going to be drawing some conclusions from several different passages of Scripture as we talk about the solution to self. Or for those of you who would rather than have the personality that would just like a little humor, we're going to call this selfie solution. Nobody knows what a selfie is. I didn't even bring my phone with me. What in the world? Oh, I did bring my phone with me. How many of you have your phone with you? I want you to get it out. We don't get these too often. I mean, we we try to get you to not watch the Super Bowl online when we're in service. I ask you to keep your phone put away during preaching and worship, but uh, except when you have to have it for some specific reason other than I want you to get out your phone this morning and pull out that camera because we're going to take shameless selfies this morning, okay? If you, how many of you have never taken a selfie? I got to see hands. Oh, God, forgive you all that are not being truthful in this hour.
I saw some of you lift hands. I've seen them on social media. My Lord, right now, forgive all these people that are down just lying in unclean spirit right now. Get out your phone, take a selfie if you want to. Get a good selfie. Here we go. I'm going to do it this way this morning. Ready? Here we go. I'm going to take a selfie. You can be part of mine. If you don't have a phone, be sure you need to take your own now. Oh, I'm on video. How in the world? I don't want a video. I'm supposed to be taking a picture. You can tell how good at this I am, all right? All right, here we go. Here we go. Here's my selfie this morning. Here's my selfie. I may post that online. You can post yours online if you want. Tell them you're at TLC. That's where they are. Matthew chapter 5. chapter 5 and verse number 37. I'm going to read lengthily. If you have a hard time standing, you can be seated. If you're okay standing, we'll stand for the reading of the word because you may be sitting for a long time. Just kidding, lighten up. Got it. Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, but let your communication be Whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil, and to few. I'm just going to let that set in while I begin to read. Watch me. You have heard that it has been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you, you resist not evil. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other cheek also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, Turn not thou away. You have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. I mean, this is all the stuff the Lord. that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Are not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Are not even the publicans? Moving on to the next chapter, Matthew chapter 6, verse number 9. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Now this is when the disciples are asking him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And he says, this is how you're going to do it. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And here it is. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So this morning, I'm going to give you a very huge principle to conquering self. As soon as we think about conquering self, we've got to think about how we Wednesday night we talked about preferring one another and esteeming them with love. Provoking them to love and good works. Today we're going to talk about forgiveness. How that's going to affect yourself. This isn't about your brother, your sister, about us, any of us. Forgiveness. Lord, help us this morning to speak what you have put in my spirit today. Lord, that I may speak, teach, preach, whatever it is that you would have me do this morning with what you have given me, whatever it may be called. Lord, I'm praying that it rests upon the hearts and lives of men, women and children alike. God, that every heart would be touched this recognize what we must do with your word today in response to that word in Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. We're approaching the Christmas season. Many will be giving gifts, reflecting on others' Some of us, of course, enter the Christmas season without a doubt. It can be painful for some of us. Those who have dealt, have dealt loss or grief or sorrow. Some carry wounds and pain and hurts from past situations. This is a good time for us to choose to forgive I work off of a laptop daily. I carry it about everywhere I go. You see me walk into the church. I have my briefcase. It has a few things, personal things in it, and my my computer, which I carry with me about everywhere I go, mainly because I operate my calendar, and the master calendar for the church operates through that carry it with me everywhere I go, I've noticed that as I approach the end of the year, I always seem to try to fit more into my calendar. Anybody with me? I'm trying to do more because I'm trying to meet goal deadlines. Somebody says, why in the world are we trying to do so much so quickly? It's because we're trying to meet deadlines, goals. 
self-imposed deadlines because we've set goals to do this for the end of the year. We're trying to accomplish it. We're trying to get there. And we always run into roadblocks. We run into issues that prevent us from being able sometimes to reach our goals and then sometimes we have to push ahead. My calendar is quite full. And it doesn't have to be. I could have cleaned it out, but I, I'm trying to, to meet deadlines and reach goals and accomplish things because as I reach the end of the year, I want to be able to do more than just check off the box, but there's some, there's some things I want to get started and I'm wanting to focus on at the beginning of the year. Back in August, we had a leadership advance, which all of the leaders of the church were invited to, to come, ministry leaders, pastoral staff. We refer to that group as all staff, and so we had an all staff leadership advance where we're looking forward to next year, doing our planning. And one of the challenges and goals that I set to them as we look into 24 being a year of harvest, there's a lot that is in position and place for us to focus heavy on the harvest. But we cannot focus on the harvest until we are ready. We have to have the bins ready. We have to have the barns ready to be able to house the harvest. We have to have ministries in place. We have to have things in order. We have to have things functioning. And so the challenge for all of our ministries was to be ready to plan ahead not waiting to the last minute, but looking ahead, already gearing up, and that was all the way back in August, we're gearing up, and so my challenge was by the end of the year for every ministry that we have laid out for us to be functioning and operating smoothly by January 1. Deadlines at the beginning of the year, of course, is end of the year, beginning of the year is probably on your jobs. Many of you deal with these deadlines and goals for what you're trying to accomplish, trying to get everything done so it can be on your yearly report before you turn it in. Similar as I go before, set before our board and before mentors and elders in my life, talk about what did I do last year and what am I going to do next year. And then in the middle of all of this, we must not look over the fact that there must be a certain sense of self-reflection. And I'm going to talk a lot about this on Wednesday or next Sunday, if the Lord would allow. Self-reflection, that is, what have I personally, what about me personally? What have I done? What have I accomplished? Where am I? Am I in a better place, a worse place? Why? What can I do to get in a better place? I need to do more than find the problem. I need to also find the resolution. And so I'm working toward becoming a better me for 24. I hope that's every one of you. I want to do a better job. I want to be a better pastor. I want to be a better husband, a better father. And I get the privilege of doing that. And so I want to be a better friend. I, I, I want to take better care of my health. There's a lot of things that I've already laid out and looked into next year. And as we begin to look at next year, I start looking at what are the roadblocks, what are the hindrances, what are the things that will prevent, because those are things I need to work on now before I get to January 1. And so I begin to work on those things, trying to, trying to weed through them to get, to get everything in order in my personal life so that I will be, a, be able to do that, getting better control of my calendar so I can rise and go work out so 
getting, getting a better grip on my diet so that I can lose that weight that I've been talking about losing for, oh, I don't know, half a century. So we're always looking and working toward that. And today, I, I want us to take some reflections on the idea of how often we talk about we talk about the hurts and the wrongs and everything from the past and the things we've been through and the things we face. But I want to give us a challenge right at the very beginning before I start digging into this a bit this morning that as we are approaching the beginning of the new year that we start thinking about allowing some of the things from our past, letting those things go. Forgetting the things which are behind so we're able to press toward the mark of a high calling. And so that means we're going to have to forgive some hurts and we're going to have to let some wounds we're going to have to allow them to heal because as long as we dig in them, they never heal. And so we have, to, we have to forgive some things. Every time that we're reminded of the story, we're reminded of the event, we're reminded of the individual that chose to hurt us, it's a good opportunity for us to forgive again and for us to move forward with forgiveness. This is a good day to establish that maybe one of the great issues that prevents me from being who I need to be in God, the kind of husband I need to be, the kind of father I need to be, the kind of friend I need to be, may be that I hold unforgiveness. And by holding unforgiveness, I think I'm holding the, the, the situation that happened that was out of my control the words that were spoken that, that injured me so deeply, what I was told that someone said or someone did that felt like knives stabbed in my back from people that I loved and trusted. And, and, and I feel like, you know, I, I don't know if I can move forward, but the truth is I'm not holding anybody hostage through unforgiveness other than myself. And when I'm holding myself hostage, by unforgiveness and not being willing to let it go. I've had people look at me and say, I don't know how you can do this. I don't know how we can afford to not do this. We have to let it go. If we don't let it go and we think we're holding the, 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 the person that did us wrong hostage, the person that comparison to the hurt and the harm that you're doing to yourself. And so therefore, it is more than just saying, well, yeah, I forgive them, but I'm going to tell you, I'm never going to forget what they've done. In all reality, if we want to get into the translation of words, there's a lot of crossovers that we misunderstand, but I am going to tell you this, the Bible didn't just say forgive them and let them walk away, but we always remembered, and as a matter of fact, it says it like this, forgetting the things which are behind I press. Before we start pressing toward January 1 and everything we're going to do in 24, how about we begin December 23 beginning to say, I'm going to forget some things. Oh, no, no, no. It's still in the memory bank, but I'm talking about some biblical technical terms here of I am making a cognitive decision to say the hurts and wounds of my past, I'm not going to drag them along because they will become baggage that will prevent me from being able to fulfill God's will and purpose in 24. 
why don't we plan now to start the new year off by giving everybody a clean slate. Because you know what you're doing? Is you're not just giving them a clean slate, you're giving yourself. I I know it feels like I'm teaching right now, but right now I can about run around the room because I... Uh, there, there is some victory in what I'm telling you right now. The greatest victory that you're going to receive this year may be when you start today to make up your mind, I'm going to forgive things that are out of my control because I'm t- tired of it controlling me, controlling my emotions, controlling my actions, controlling my responses. Because the thing that you don't forgive becomes a trigger that changes everything about you. And we think we're hurting them, but we're hurting ourselves. The best thing that you can do for you, we're talking about self today. You took that beautiful selfie. You can pull it out and look at it. If you got your cell phone in your hand, I hope you're not texting, but it's okay. You can look at that picture right now and look at yourself in that picture. And I want to tell you the best thing you can do for you is not lose weight. That may be a good thing. Getting a tummy tuck or whatever it may be called. Getting a facelift. I better stop. I'm going to dig a hole. The best thing you can do for yourself is forgive. The very best thing. There may have never been a time when you are more Christ-like than when you forgive those who don't deserve it. I would forgive them, but they didn't ask me for forgiveness. Forgive them anyway. Therefore, when they come to you, and they say, I'm sorry, tell them you didn't, need to, you didn't need to ask me for forgiveness because I've already forgiven. I already felt the pain. There's no reason to say I'm sorry. I've already, if we'll do it right now, there's going to be victory in this house when we walk in the doors tonight. Woo! The hurt's there, it's there, but I'm releasing it and I'm not going to walk around carrying the luggage of that pain and that hurt. I'm over it. There may never be a time that you're more Christ-like than when you forgive those who don't deserve it. Maybe they are guilty. But did Jesus deserve it? Was he guilty? The best way to judge your level of pain is to put it in light of the cross. Did Jesus deserve it? Yet, what did he do? And what did he say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Some of the people that fight, you may not understand. They they may not be fighting you. I've told people a lot of times that have tried to fight things that I'm doing particularly when it comes to the kingdom. I'm not talking about myself personally here, but I'm talking about when when people fight the things of God and they fight against the church. You're not fighting against me. You're not even fighting against the church. You're fighting against God. 
to take a good look at that and consider that when you fight, you're not fighting against leadership, you're fighting against God. And you may not be any more Christ-like than when you forgive those that don't deserve it because if we really want to get it all straight, you and I really don't deserve the forgiveness that we receive every time that He forgives us if we got what we deserved. Where in the world would we be? We wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had it. That's why, that's why grace is called unmerited meaning I didn't deserve it, yet he gave it to me. Do you remember where you were when God found you? Sure, there may have been people that helped you. You may be able to sit down this Christmas and write a list of all the people that encouraged you, helped you, supported you, sponsored you, pushed you, held you accountable, whatever it may be. You may be able to go down that list, but I'm going to tell you none of that would be possible without the grace and mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so therefore, if we have obtained mercy, how in the world can we refrain from being merciful as God has been? So you may be at your most Christ-like position when you are extending grace and mercy. The moment you forgive is the moment that you will be released from the situation. When God forgives sin, it's like he presses a delete button on his heavenly computer. And it, when he forgives us, he doesn't send sins to the temporary recycle bin for us to be able to go back and pull back up or him to go back and pull back up. That's what the enemy does. The enemy is the accuser of the brethren. somebody's reminding you of your fault and your failure and your wrong, walk away. They are the accuser of the brethren. If God has forgiven you, walk away. And when you forgive, walk away. I'm not going back to dig that back up. Satan is the accuser of the brethren. God's not, the, not your accuser. As a matter of fact, he took the handwriting of ordinances that were against us and he took them out of the way, nailing them to the cross. That meant the only person that has a copy of that is, is, is somebody that wasn't very close to the cross. Because the handwriting of ordinances that were against us was nailed to the cross. He has a fictitious copy. He has a report that was given to him. Remember when you failed, remember when you, when you did wrong, remember all that, that is a false accusation because the blood of Calvary has already paid for the price. There's a lot of facets of forgiveness. There's some more difficult than others for us to deal with. What about when God asks us to forgive those that trespass against us? Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So let me ask you, the person that you're choosing to not forgive, I know you don't like being called out like that. I know it's much easier for me if I say it much more palatable, but I'm going to call it like it is. 
I'm just going to say it the way it really is. We're choosing not to forgive because we feel like they owe us some sort of debt. What if they paid that debt? What would that debt look like? What would that debt be? What kind of price? Would it be monetary? Would it be, what do you expect? What do you want from them? What would that person be able to do that would undo the pain that has been caused to them? What would they do? What would they have to do to undo all of that? Do you know what you have to do to release yourself from that? Not just words, but truly let it go and understand that God has already paid the price for our wrong. The problem is this. If you and I want to receive forgiveness, then we are going to have to forgive. And however, this is the only place in Scripture that I find it like this. He tells us to, to try him with tithes and offerings to see if he won't pour us out a blessing. But when it comes to forgiveness, if I had the time to do a deep study with you this morning to talk more about forgiveness than I can in this one lesson, I'll summarize the whole lesson to you. However you give out forgiveness to those who owe you or those who hurt you or harmed you, the way you get the way you forgive is the way that you are going to be forgiven. I'm in the word of God right now. Because if you're real, real, real judgmental and don't want to forgive, I pity the day you stand before him. Because he's going to judge us according to the way that we forgive others. So if we want forgiveness in our life and we want the blood working in our life, then we have to forgive others and let the blood work in their life. I feel like God's trying to help somebody right now that's been holding on to that thing and it's driving, it's driving up your blood pressure and it's getting under your skin and it's causing you to, to just live every day and every time you can find somebody that'll listen, all you want to talk about is the pain and the hurt and the person that caused you all the misery and all the trouble and the person that's prevented you. If you will let that thing go today, you may discover that it's not exactly the way that you see it in your spirit and in your mind. God may have a lesson that he's been trying to teach you and when you start forgiving you may find that God's got something greater than you ever believed for your future but you can't get there until you get past being here oh I want to get there you gotta have to get to here and you can't leave here When you let go of yesterday, you can forgive in today and you can thrive in tomorrow. It's the only way it works. Sorry for all the noise. South side of this false Bible getting all, all carried away up here. I'm sorry, Brother Boyd, our son. 
and I start thinking about the grace and mercy of God and what he's done. I'm going to tell you, I don't deserve to be standing where I am. I don't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve his mercy. I, I haven't been everything I ought to be. It is nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ and grace and mercy that brought me to where I am. It is what he's done for me. How can I withhold it from somebody else when I didn't deserve it? He gave it to me when I didn't deserve it. While I was yet sinner, a sinner, he died. He died for me and shed blood for me. He was ready. Mercy there was great and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. And there my troubled soul found liberty at last. <laughs> Some of you have never heard those words before, but there's some old timers in here that remember. Mercy there was grace and grace was free. Pardon there was multiplied to me. There my burdened soul found liberty at Calvary. Ah, it was the work of Calvary. It was the work of Calvary. Some of those old hymns that we used to sing, they may be a little, the tune may be a little out of style from what, what, what but I'm telling you there's some depth right there that I just talked to you about. There's some depth right there that was penned in the early 1900s. There was some, there's some depth right there because somebody had a revelation without his blood, without his mercy, without his forgiveness. I wouldn't be saved. God's trying to help you today. Because he wants you, if he can get us looking at ourselves, we're going to overcome the world. And he is preparing us for what he's going to do in our future. Was the Apostle Paul, was he empowered for something greater than we have? There's, there's been debate about this. Was the early apostles empowered differently than we are? They have a different Holy Ghost than we have. I would dare to say no. Did he literally have the ability to wipe away his internal memory card clean? Probably not. This is the same apostle that said, the things that I would not do, that's what I do. The things that I don't want to do, I do them. The things I want to do, I don't do them. Oh, wretched man. Oh, wretched man. Oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? I've come to tell you this morning that with unforgiveness we are on a one-way trip to misery for the rest of our life. But the moment that you release the pain and the hurt and the agony and the torment of your past, when you let it go, you're about to walk into a brand new victory when old things are passed away and all things are become new. Ready for this? Because the psychologists tell us this. The human brain cannot comprehend conflict from our past and resolution for our future at the same time. When we are talking about the pain, the hurt, and the frustrations do not expect that the light switch of creativity for your future is going to come on. 
If you want creativity for your future, let me break it down a little more. If you want God to turn the light on and illuminate your future and you be able to see this is where I'm going and this is where God's taken me and this is what I'm going to do, if you want that for your future, you have to let go of the past because God fixed us to where you can't hold on to the past and reach into the future at the same time. So he's telling you once you let go, then the light will come on to your future. But until you let go of there, you are not going to be illuminated to have vision to go there. Oh, so if you struggle with the vision, it is not a vision problem. It is an unforgiveness problem. You're holding on to this. So you can't see what God's trying to do. I'm telling you, God is about to send a revival to this church. Some of your homes and families, some of you have been praying for things that I believe God is about to do in your family and he's going to do it because you are letting go of the past, because you are forgiving and because you're saying, God, I'm not focusing there. I'm looking to what you want to do. I see revival in my home, revival in my family, revival with my children, revival with my lost spouse, revival in my neighborhood. He wants to do it for you. But I can preach that all day long. But as long as you keep saying, yeah, but. I got to hold on to this. I'm holding on to it. I'm clinging to it as long as I can. You're never going to see what God Everywhere I go, I just keep seeing this. There's something in the deep human psyche that behavioral scientists have discovered that we usually see things that we're prepared to see. And so, therefore, you can look over things and you haven't seen it because you weren't looking for it. But then once that the mind shifts and we begin to look for a particular thing, everywhere we look, we will see it. Now let me break this down for you. It's called the reticular activating system. It's the reticular nervous system. So you buy a red car, a certain make and model, you drive down the road, think you're the only one that has it. All of a sudden, everybody wants one just like you. And in the next month, you see more of those red cars just like you than you've ever dreamed possible. This is, this is what it is, reticular activating it also works like this. When we have fixed our mind to believe something, whether it's true or not, <laughs> breakthrough, breakthrough. This past week, someone shared this with me, and I had to, I, I had to know the source. I had to get down to it because there's some things about this. Do you know that if you 
speak something three times, positive or negative, true or false, real or not, if you speak it three times, it will become in three different settings, I'm not talking about just the kingdom of God, in three different settings, three different individuals, three different if you repeat something three times, it becomes a reality. It's as physical as getting drunk. It becomes your reality. Have you ever met people that you're like, I know, I hear them, I believe them. I don't think that they're, I don't believe they're a liar. But man, what they're saying is just inaccurate. You ever met anybody like that? It's like what they're saying is inaccurate. In the Genesis process, those of you that's been through the Genesis process, you already know what I'm about to say. You know what that is. Brother Chad can tell you. That's called a false truth. Something has happened in your past, and you have told yourself in a very sincere, serious way, three times it settles into your believing about yourself and believing about others and believing about an individual place. Doesn't mean it's real. As a matter of fact, that's why it's false. But it is your belief. And so, therefore, talking to somebody and saying, Well, that's not so, they become angry, walk away, and don't want to talk to you anymore. And the reason is is because they really, it's a belief. They are persuaded that's true. Okay, we bring so many things into our life because we cause ourselves to believe things that are not. This is a struggle. And we start thinking on these things and living on these things. And then what happens? It becomes our reality. And so therefore, every word that is spoken, we see through the lens of a false belief or through the lens of something saw four men huddled in the back of the church I walked through, I'm sure they were probably talking about me. A few weeks later I come and I see four others and they all went back into a Sunday school class together. I'm pretty sure they went back there to discuss me and something that I had said. I walked in the office and I saw a group huddled in the office sounded like they were singing or something in there, but I'm pretty sure it was a song about me. And once it becomes ingrained, everywhere we go, huh, I saw the look on their face. <laughs> they didn't even speak to me. Did you speak to them? Did you see how they acted toward me? How did you act toward them? reticular activating system comes on and we start seeing what we believe. Mm. I hope you're getting this this morning. Because everywhere we look, we see it. We see the fault. If you're looking for fault in this church, you're going to find fault everywhere you look. If you're looking for fault in this pastor, you're going to find fault everywhere we look because I bleed red. I'm not angelic. You can't see through me and I'm telling you I don't walk on 
God says you are and you believe it. There's only one way to break out of that. It is you have to make up your mind if it's real or if it's not real, it doesn't matter. It's my real. It's my belief. And the only way you're going to get away from that, the only way you're going to break away from that belief, the only way you're going to be released for your future and quit walking in thinking everybody's against you and nobody's talking to you and nobody's spending enough time with you, the only way you're going to get beyond it, the only way is that you're going to have to forgive everything in your past. You've got to let it go because it's hindering your future. It may be that they are intimidated by you and they're waiting for they think that you don't want to be. And they invited everybody to go back in the room and meet, but only four went back there. And they were so hoping that you would join them. And they were in the office seeking, and they would love to have your help and your hand. But we're thinking nothing more because we can just walk in and walk out of here. It happens in every area of our life. On the other hand, once we forgive, we begin to see the good, but until we forgive, because the human psyche does not have the ability to dwell on that and dwell, to dwell on the conflict and, then, and dwell on the resolution of having that conflict. So if you're fixed on the conflict, you may think that you're bringing resolution, but what you're doing is revealing the conflict. So you have to let go and forgive it and walk away from it. So everything about your conversation, everything about your thought process begins to be on the re resolution. So instead of waking up in the morning and thinking about the problem and bumping into people and talking about the problem, now you wake up in the morning and you're saying, I'm not going there. I am going to think whatsoever thing is good, whatsoever thing is lovely, whatsoever thing is of good report. Ah, oh, come on, am I in the word of the Lord this morning? Think on these things. When it begins to become the thought process, once you forgive, you focus your thought on what you are going to do and where you're going and God will turn the light on and your future can be blessed. Come on, self. I'm not going to be the same self in 24 as I was in 23. I've got to let self die. I've got to die to the old self so the new self can live. i got to live again. I can't keep existing here, clinging to the past, Wanting the future. I got to die to the flesh. Oh, stand with me and lift your hands all over the room. If you, if you have a voice, I want you to lift it to the Lord right now. Oh, come on, let's pray out loud right now. God's wanting to do something for somebody in this room right now. Come on, we got to let some things go in our life. I want to move forward. You're saved, sanctified, born again. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Pastor, why am I plagued with all this? Because you need to get born all over again. You know what that means? You need a time of refreshing. 
You need to go to the altar and repent of what you've harbored and what you've held and release it and let it go and become a brand new creature when you get up from that altar. If you walk in the doors of this building and walk out the way you came in, it's because you didn't connect with God. But every time you connect with Him, you've got to admit, I walked in not feeling so good, but after I got through that worship service, after I got through that altar call, oh, I feel feel better than what I felt when I walked in. That's what God's wanting to do in somebody's life this morning. God's wanting somebody to say, I'm not leaving here the way I walked in, but I'm bringing myself to the altar. all other sins they could send a turtle dove they could send a a burnt offering they could send a lamb a bullock, turtle doves whatever it may be but not for leprosy leprosy is a type of sin the only way that a man could be cleansed of leprosy the type of sin is that he had to show himself everybody said that myself. This morning we're focusing on ourselves. He had to take himself to the priest. And when the priest inspected him, he looked at the earlobes and the hands and he looked at him and he said, I'm pronouncing you clean. I'm going to tell you about my responsibility. I'm going to tell you what God's wanting to do for somebody this morning. God's wanting somebody in this house today step out from where you are and walk to the front of this room and say, I'm coming to the priest this morning. I'm coming to the high priest today. I need you, God, to wash and cleanse me and make me afresh and anew. Let him, let him announce over you
walk out the doors of this building the way I walked in. I want to walk out of this building feeling free. I want to feel hope again. I want to feel alive again. I want to feel something regenerated in me. I want to be renewed in you today, God. Oh, come on, don't be ashamed to lift your voice. Don't be ashamed to cry out this morning. Come on, everybody just focusing on yourself right now. Everybody focusing on yourself right now. Let God do that in your life right now. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. It's just me and Jesus. in your life right now. Maybe it's been a while since you spoke with other tongues. Let there be a breakthrough right now. Let there be a breakthrough right now. Come on, we're washed by the water of His Word. He's cleansing us right now. He's cleansing us right now.
more time as a congregation. Lift your voice and sing. some of you, if you're still praying, continue to pray. I want you to grab that phone right back out that we started with today. I hope you saved that selfie that you took before service, because right now I want you to take that, I want you to take that phone and turn it right back around, and I want you to take another selfie. I'm not very gifted. I'm not sure how you do it. I'm sure somebody around here can tell you. Somebody under 40 can tell you how to do it. Maybe some of you old timers can. But that selfie you took before, before, you need to put some sort of caption to it and say, this is, this is the selfie that I took before I forgave. And this is the selfie that I took after I forgave. So when you're scrolling through and you see those pearly whites and that beautiful face and you're, you can say, oh, I remember when I took that. And let this be a marker in your life. Let today be a marker. Come on, grab that phone. If it's in your purse, if it's in your pocket, if it's at your pew, grab that. Take that second selfie.